You may be seated. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, too, for leading us in a sweet time of prayer uh, for our friends. Uh, I have had uh, a lot of you who have been very kind and tell me that you are liking as we, uh, the sermon series that we are working through on teaching us how to pray. Uh, thank you for your kind words. I'm looking forward to this morning and a few more weeks where we will look at different things. This morning, I want us to look at how we can pray for ourselves. As we look kind of at the background of what we're doing now, you remember that in Luke 11, Jesus was showing his disciples how to pray. In fact, one of the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus began to teach them. And in fact, we're going to flip over just a few chapters to Luke 18 in just a minute, and we're going to look at one of the options or one of the things that we need to look at when we pray for ourselves. It's very evident in Luke 18, but kind of our anchor chapter this morning is going to be Psalm 138, where David prays. And we will read that chapter in just a minute. It's a a chapter I want to break down for you, but we're going to be going all over the Bible this morning. We're going to be looking at several different scriptures as we look about praying for ourselves. Now, we talked uh, at the very first week about how we just pray. How did the Lord teach us how to pray? And then last week, like Jason mentioned, we talked about how do we pray for our friends, for our brothers and sisters, especially in church, as a church family, how do we pray for each other? And we went through the acrostic that Jason showed you just a a moment ago. No acrostic this morning. I wish I could have come up with something. Nothing came together for me, but I do want to talk to us this morning about how we pray for ourselves. Now, that may come across as selfish to you. You may be thinking, oh my gosh, you know, it's pretty selfish to pray for yourself. Really, nothing could be further from the truth. You and I need to be praying for ourselves, and the Bible's very clear about some of the things that we need to be praying for when we pray for ourselves. I thought about this selfishness for a minute, how we sometimes look at how we do things selfishly, and you will see, hopefully, when we come to the end of this, that by praying for yourself, you're really enriching those who are around you. Uh, You're broadening your tent so that you may be able to love on others well and, and treat others well and see others like God sees them. And so that's a very important point that I want to make here. I thought about this, like I told you just a second ago, when I thought about selfishness. And so when I thought about this example, I I read about this example and I I just cracked up because uh, there are a lot of people who are sitting in this room this morning who, who won't even understand this, especially college students and on down, it's just going to kind of be, what are you talking about? It's, it's kind of like talking about, do you remember when the first man walked on the moon? You know, there's, there's kind of like, what? You know, because they weren't even born, even close to being born. But those of you who were born when there was VHS tapes, you remember that? Some, everybody that's old is raising their hand and all the college students are going, what are you talking about? Uh, but you've probably, even the college students have probably seen these big, massive VHS tapes. I was having a conversation out in the hall just a minute ago. Laura uh, got her master's in counseling before there was online. It was called distance learning. And the way they did the distance learning is they mailed VHS tapes to our house. And Laura would watch the class. They would videotape the class at Liberty University. They would videotape the professor teaching the class. And they would mail those videotapes out to students like Laura. The students would watch those. Then they would go to somebody's house who was designated as a proctor. And they would take tests. And they would mail the test in, get the test graded, and mail it back. That's like... Uh, you know, horse and buggy days, and you know, it's just <laughs> crazy to think that people did that. But that's, you guys remember those VHS tapes. Now, if you remember VHS tapes, and this is where some of the college kids won't know about this deal, but if you remember VHS tapes, you remember that Sony had a little bit different tape. Anybody remember what the name of that tape was? Very good. You're not old enough to know that stuff, are you? Yeah, you are. Um, Beta was a Sony tape. So Beta invented their kind of own tape. It was a 
a Sony tape beta tape, and it was about that size, whereas the VHS was about this size. JVC was the one who invented the uh, VHS tape. Sony invented the beta tape. Here's the difference. Sony said, this is our tape. We're not sharing it with anybody. It's our own proprietary invention, and we're going to keep it to ourselves, and we're going to corner the market with it. JVC said, here's a VHS tape, here's how we do it, and here's how you can do it too, and here's how you can build a machine that will show these tapes. And when JVC didn't become selfish and shared their tapes with everybody and how to make it, how to build the machine, everything like that, then everybody started doing VHS tapes, and beta tapes eventually went by the wayside. In fact, do you know who became one of the biggest... Uh, uh, makers of tape and machines, VHS tapes and machines? Sony, that's exactly right. Because JVC said, I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm going to share it. It's the same principle when you look at what you do when you pray and how you need to pray for yourself and how that's not selfish. Because when you pray for yourself, God begins to expand your heart and expand the kingdom. Listen, F.B. Meyer, who's one of the great preachers that I read a lot of his stuff, said this, the great tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. And a lot of times we don't get the things that we are praying for because we're not willing to offer the prayer for them. So if your prayers are going unanswered, Maybe it's because they're being unoffered. And so we as believers need to spend time in prayer. One of the other things I wrote down here too is if the only time you pray is in crisis, then your spiritual life is in crisis. If the only time you ever talk to God is when you're desperate, then your spiritual life is desperate right now. And you need to have a heart check. You need to make sure that you're walking the way the Lord wants you to walk. Because if you're walking the way the Lord wants you to walk, then you're going to be walking in an attitude of prayer. The overwhelming prayers that are offered in the Bible are for someone else. There is absolutely no doubt about it. When, when you go through Scripture and you read the Bible, almost all the prayers that you will see are offered for somebody else. I get that. But there are many, many examples of where people pray for themselves. And we're going to look at those this morning real briefly. And we're going to catch some clues of how we can pray for ourselves. Will you do me a favor? Will you turn to the 138th chapter, the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at what David prayed for himself. Will you stand with me as we read God's Word? This is the prayer of David. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. Does that sound familiar? You remember when the Lord taught us to pray? He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are great, God. Here's David doing the same thing. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple. That's David saying, I'm praying to you. He's saying, I am bowing down. I'm going before the Most High God, and I'm going to talk to Him. And what's he going to do? Well, he says this, I'm going to praise your name for your love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Do you catch what David's doing here? He's not asking for anything. He's not uh, talking about his problems. He's not talking about anybody else's problems. He's just saying, hey, God, you are great, and I want you to know that I love you because of your greatness. And then look at verse 3. When I called, you answered me, and you made me bold and stout-hearted. Your Bible may say strengthened. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the way of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, He looks upon the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, this is David being very poignant, talking about himself and something that's going on in his life, he says, you preserved my life. 
you stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Well, that's David, and he's not being selfish at all. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look at your word and study your scripture this morning, will you open it to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit? And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me share with you four or five things here that I think are incredibly important when we begin to pray for ourselves. Will you turn to the 18th chapter of Luke? <clears throat> Remember, I told you just a few minutes ago that we looked at uh, Luke, the 11th chapter. That's where uh, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. But in the 18th chapter of Luke, the Lord is again continuing to teach his disciples as he does all throughout Scripture, especially all throughout the New Testament when you look at the four Gospels. Obviously, Jesus is, is working with his disciples. He's discipling them, and he's telling them exactly what it takes to be a believer. And one of the things that he's talking about here <clears throat> is prayer again. And when you look at the 18th chapter of Luke and when you look at verse 9, you see uh, Jesus launch into a parable where he's going to teach them about the importance of prayer and even how they can pray for themselves. So look at verse 9 in Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So here's Jesus giving the defining understanding of how he's going to teach about prayer here. And he's saying, some people pray, but when they pray, they are locked into self-righteousness. In other words, they're praying and they're talking about almost how good they are. Uh, it would be like you and I going to God and saying, God, you know I'm pretty good. God, you know I've gone on all these mission trips. And God, you know I pastor this church that's, that's wonderful and I'm doing such a great job at it, God. I know you're proud of me. And so, God, would you send more people my way? God, would you send more money for the church? If I was doing that, you would all be aghast, obviously. So would I. But more importantly, God would be severely disappointed with the type of prayer that I was praying. But uh, the Lord says, and Jesus has explained to his disciples, that's exactly how some people pray. He's saying some were confident in their own righteousness, that they were accomplishing things on their own, and they were looking down on everybody else. That's the fascinating thing, isn't it? That uh, somebody like you or me would pray, and as we pray, we would say, I'm, I'm pretty good, God, and I'm thankful that you know I'm pretty good. In fact, I'm thankful that you know I'm way better than Gary, and I'm way better than Jason, and Clint doesn't hold a candle to me. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, I know. But that's how some people pray. It's, it's incredulous. We, we think that, but sometimes we tend to look at people like this, and please hear me say this, we tend to look at people like this, and I do it too, and we tend to think, well, I'm way better than them, and God's trying to put us all in our place. Christ is trying to put us all in our place here. He's teaching His disciples who are followers of Him, don't get caught up in doing these kinds of things. There's a tendency for everybody to look at their neighbor and think, well, I'm better than them. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Look at how the scripture continues. They looked at their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. And then Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, fascinating here, and I know you guys see this, but I don't want to leave without pointing this out. What Jesus is going to compare here is a religious leader versus somebody that most other people would look at as not very religious at all. Isn't that fascinating? It, it would be equivalent, and hear me say this correctly, it, it would be equivalent for us to all be thinking, we pray so much better than... Uh, the people that don't go to church or, or maybe haven't been in church for a while or, or that, that we haven't seen uh, living out the gospel like we are living it out. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you better be careful as to what you hold up as the standard of what is prayer and what is a really good prayer. And if the standard is you're looking at yourself because you're at church every once in a while, or if the standard is you proclaim the name of Jesus every once in a while and, and that's your standard, you better look for another standard. And the standard ought to be what does your heart look like compared to uh, reaching out to Jesus Christ. And that, that's what he's saying here. So he's saying again, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector that's over there. In fact, twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get. Isn't it funny that a lot of times it always comes down to money? Uh, hey, God, I know I may not have been the best and I may not be the greatest, but I'm giving some money. And, and the Lord just, just goes and says, let me say something to you. And in verse 13, he says this, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other man, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What should you and I pray for when we pray for ourselves? Well, this, without a doubt, tells us that one of the things that we should always pray for when we pray for ourselves is mercy. You should always be praying for mercy on your life. God knows you inside and out. You're not fooling God with anything that you're doing in your life. You know, you can't cover from God whatever sin is in your life. He knows what's going on. The, the, the truth of that is it's the same for me as it is for you, as it is for everybody in the world. God knows exactly what's going on in your heart. And you are wasting your time if you're trying to defend yourself before God. That's exactly what the Pharisee was doing. He was saying to God, hey God, I might not be the greatest, but I come to your church and I, I give twice a week to that church. And I'm way better than anybody else who's sitting around me. And God says, none of that, absolutely none of that matters to me. What God says that matters to him is if we proclaim to him, we need you. We need your mercy. We need your grace. You hear me say those terms all the time. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me because sometimes when I pray, I'll pray uh, the same thing. I'll say something to the effect of, God, we're so thankful for your great grace and your great mercy. There's nothing wrong with making that a very repetitive prayer in your life because God is so merciful to us, especially when we ask for his mercy. And he is so gracious to us when we ask for his grace. And we need to do it. Listen, I wrote down in my notes, and you guys know this, I know this, but it's hard to put into practice. You'll get mercy if you show mercy. That's what God says to the, to, in the parable. That's what Jesus is saying in the parable when he says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up at heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. And then what does he say? Jesus says this, I tell you that that man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying when that man asked for mercy, he got mercy. And I sent him home justified because he had asked for it. Listen, I, I have somebody that's very near and dear to me uh, that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to couch this personal story very carefully in, for anybody that might be young in here listening. So you just kind of help me as I weave the story and, and I kind of read to you and you kind of perceive through the lines so that um, I'm very careful as I tell this story. But I have somebody that's very near and dear to my heart uh, that was struggling uh, 
with uh, depression and um, tried to do some self-harm a couple of times. And it was heartbreaking uh, in, in, in that situation. But God has been merciful in that situation. And many people that know this person have prayed for this person over and over and over again. And God has brought this person to a brand new place in their life. And I am so thankful for his mercy in this person's life. Let me tell you something. I had a conversation with this person just a few days ago about a friendship uh, that doesn't seem to be in place anymore. And I was confused as to why that friendship wasn't in place anymore. And so I just said, uh, I didn't know that you weren't friends anymore, that, uh, that you guys didn't talk to each other anymore. And uh, the person shared back with me, the, the last conversation that I ever had with that person, they said to me, uh, you're not dead yet? And the person that I care for very much said, I, I didn't need that in my life anymore. I walked away from it. And I said, well, good for you. And I thought, and this happened last week when I was studying this, and and I thought to myself, that person's going to need mercy one day because we all need mercy, every single one of us. And you only get it if you show it. So it's important for you and for me when we pray that we go to God and we say, God, be merciful on me. That's not selfish at all. We thrive when God gives us his mercy. Second thing is this, we we can pray for God's help. There's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for God's help. Uh, You know, I I, I talked to you just a minute ago about if you only pray in crisis, then there's an issue. But if you're praying all the time, you're still going to be in crisis every once in a while. And you definitely need to pray for God's help. This is not going to come as a shock to you. But if you look in Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah in, in the second chapter, you'll find Jonah spending a whole chapter that's called Jonah's Prayer. And in fact, we may end up here sooner or later as we're studying prayer. But I just want to look at one verse. Everybody kind of knows the story of Jonah. You know that Jonah was chasing after God, but kind of got confused and chasing after God and then decided he didn't really want to chase after God. In fact, he wanted to run away from God. God wanted to use him to spread his kingdom. And Jonah said, I'm not doing that. And Jonah said, well, then let me work this vacation out for you where you get to go in the belly of a big fish and the big fish is going to swallow you and you're going to be there and you're not going to be looking so good and so Jonah finds himself in crisis and he prays which is normal I get it but Jonah didn't only pray in crisis but now that he's in crisis he's definitely praying I wrote this down, but this is true. I, I, I can't believe this, but it happens sometimes. But wise counsel never begins with don't pray. You know, if you come to see me and, and we're talking about your job or your marriage or your children or, or anything else that's going on in life, one of the things I hope I say before you walk out of my door and one of the things that I hope we do before you walk out of my office is that I say, you need to pray, and we need to pray. And let me pray for you, and let me pray with you. But I hope that's not the only time that you're going to spend in prayer. I hope when you walk out of here that you begin to pray. And that's what Jonah is doing here. When you're ready to ask for help, God's ready to help you. And so Jonah begins this prayer. Listen to what he says. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, 
and he answered me. Boy, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. It says, from the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. That's pretty plain black and white. I could exegete that out for you a whole lot, and we could uh, dive into every word, but the simple principle is this. Jonah, Scripture, the Scripture out of Jonah right here where Jonah is talking is as plain as day. If you call to the Lord in your distress, He's going to hear you. And He's going to answer you. Now, you and I all know that the struggle becomes what that answer is sometimes. You see, Jonah was supposed to go and tell some people about the gospel, and and Jonah ended up in the belly of a big fish. And when Jonah called out to God, God answered him, and God threw him up on the shore out of the fish and said, go and do what I told you to do now. And Jonah said, yes, sir, I will, and he did. Sometimes when we call to God and ask for him to answer our prayers, it's not exactly what we would have always wanted, and it's not exactly how we envision it. In fact, <clears throat> I read something the other day uh, from, uh, uh, I don't know if it was John Piper or uh, Tim Keller, but it basically said this, if God answers your prayers the same way that you want them answered all the time, then you're not really worshiping the right God. You're worshiping yourself. You think about it. If God answered your prayer always the way you put it out, God, I want this job and I want this much money and, and I want to live in this city and I want to marry this person and I want to have these kind of children and I want my children to do this and do that. If, if that's the way you prayed to God and God answered them exactly the way you had laid out that whole thing for your life, you're basically God and you're just kind of tagging along with somebody that you talk to every once in a while. In fact, most of you would probably be pretty honest and you would answer that God a lot of times doesn't even come close to answering the prayers that you want uh, answered the way you think you know best. And if you're truthful, you would say, I'm so thankful that God didn't answer the prayers the way that I envisioned them to be. Listen, when, when I left to go to college, uh, <clears throat> I... I went to, I think I've told you the story, but here's the 30-second version. I went to Texas State, which back when I went, most of you will recall this, was called Southwest Texas. I went to Southwest Texas for a semester. I told the Lord I wanted to be a policeman. I went there to study law enforcement. I went there for a semester. I did pretty well, uh, but I went to a college station for a visit uh, with some friends and fell in love with Texas A&M. Uh, and uh, the, the, the school atmosphere at A&M, and I transferred to A&M. Uh, they didn't have a law enforcement, so I, I thought, well, God, you didn't want me to be in law enforcement. You want me to be a coach. So I switched to coaching and, and physical education, and uh, I, I began to really track after the Lord. Some people really invested in my life. They had all my growing up years, but at College Station, I went very involved in the, the BSM, there and they really invested in my life and and uh, I began tracking uh, my Christian life began growing exponentially my school life not so much and um, I went there for a year and um, and uh, the dean sent me a letter and said don't come back and uh, I ended up back at home boomerang back at my parents house not knowing what I was going to do and and uh, started uh, at Houston Baptist University uh, trying to find myself and figure out what, what in the heck I'm supposed to be doing. And um, mad at God because he hadn't answered my prayer the way I wanted it to be. I wanted to graduate from A&M. I wanted to be an Aggie way before it was cool to be an Aggie. Um, I, I just, I wanted all that and God didn't give it to me. And he sent me to Houston Baptist University and I really didn't want to go to a Baptist University at all. And um, I got there and I met somebody. 
and that somebody took me to a church that's called Willow Meadows Baptist Church. And they said, you know, the, the youth minister here, I help the youth minister. He pays me. I'm his intern, but I'm not going to do it anymore. And I think you would do really well at that job. And God opened up that door. And I started interning for a youth minister. And a really, 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 really nice-looking girl walked in to that church that had been going there for years and years. But the first time I went and the first time I saw her, I thought, that's a nice-looking girl. And uh, I married that girl. And uh, I went back and apologized to God uh, for my plans uh, being thrown in his face when his plans were so much better for me. So not only do you need to pray for God's mercy, but you need to pray for God's help. But you can also pray for God's strength. I love this. Look back at Psalm 138, where we originally kind of landed uh, this morning, and I read to you, and it says in the first couple of verses about how David is praising the Lord and that he will bow down to his holy temple. But look at verse 3. It says, when I called you, you answered me, and you made me bold and stout-hearted or strengthened. Now, the Hebrew word there is uh, for that stout-hearted and, or strengthened is the word Oz. You ever heard of the Wizard of Oz? And, and when, you, when you see the Wizard of Oz, he's in this big tower. That's the understanding of the word Oz. It's this strong tower that you pray to. And you pray to God and say, Would you make me like a strong tower? Will you make me bold so that when people look at me, they go, Man, he has confidence. And the confidence is not in himself. But the confidence is in who his God is. I love this. I hadn't told Jason this because I was studying it at the end of the week and I didn't see it to then. But this bold and strengthened, this word Oz, is not only that picture of a tower, but the definition of it in Hebrew is how we are supposed to sing when we sing. Did you catch that? That when we sing... Uh, when we sing the, the amazing grace of God, we're supposed to sing it in strength and bold. Not because we're wondering if that's the God that we worship. Is he, is he strong? Or is that the God that we worship? Is he amazing? Or are we questioning it? No, the way we're supposed to sing it is bold and stout-hearted or strengthened. We're supposed to sing it Amazing grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but praise the Lord, I see. That's how we sing, and that's the confidence that God gives you. That's the strength that he gives you. When you drive your kids to school tomorrow in that carpool, and you're driving them down there, and you have to get in that line, and you have to drop them off, you can do it in the strength of the Lord, knowing that you're going to do it a thousand more times before they're out of elementary school. And it's okay, because God can give you the strength to do it day after day after day. I was listening. Uh, I, I was, um, uh, Laura went Thursday uh, to see uh, our grandbaby, up in McKinney, and uh, she went to pick him up uh, Friday morning. He woke up in bed, didn't know that Laura was there, and Laura went in to pick him up, and he screamed like bloody murder, like, who is this person? Get away from me, like that. And Laura called me, you know, going, Woo, you know, and basically said, I'm moving up here and living with them. I'm not coming home. And I said, okay, I need your strength, God. Uh, I don't need Laura to do that. I need her to come back. And so obviously she's not doing that and she's coming back. But the, the thing is, uh, the, the fascinating thing is, is watching how fast, and you guys all know this, but watching how fast Riker changes. 
I mean, just the other day, it, he was the little baby that we're holding. You know, when Laura got there and he settled down and that morning on, on Friday morning and got comfortable with, you know, his grandmother with Lolly, she FaceTimed me and said, watch. And sure enough, he is flying across the floor crawling now. And I just went, oh, my gosh. He changed it so fast. And Kristen said, every day is something new. And I thought, those parents need to pray for strength, don't we? I mean, that's what we all need to do. You understand that. We all need to pray for strength. A couple more things, and then I'll be done. I think we also need to pray for God's blessings. This is the one that's going to throw you off. This is the one that'll be your hang-up, because you pray for mercy, you get that. You pray for God's help when you're in crisis, but not only when you're in crisis, just everyday life, you pray for His help. You pray for strength because of what God does to you, but how in the world do you pray for blessings in your life? You don't have to turn there, but most of you will probably know it, and I'll just share it with you real briefly. Out of First Chronicles, there's a, a pretty famous man now uh, because they wrote a book about him called Jabez. You remember that book, The Prayer of Jabez? Uh, a lot of people read it uh, not many years ago. In fact, there were four million copies that were sold, and it kind of became pretty controversial. Uh, because a lot of people pictured the book as uh, being kind of like a, a health and wealth kind of thing. You just, you know, pray to God for your health and wealth. And if that's how you read the book and that's how you perceive the book, yeah, then you, you missed it. And that may have been how the author was trying to perceive it too. I read it, I kind of back and forth on it. But uh, the problem is sometimes we get a book like that or we read a book like that and we think that's the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is right here. Let me read to you these three verses about the prayer of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable. This is First Chronicles 4, by the way, verse 9, if you want to look at it later. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And in verse 10, he says this, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, here's, here's, here's the struggle uh, for some of you. If you don't think that God wants to bless you, then it's very confusing when you look at that Jabez prayed that prayer that God would bless him that he would expand his territory, and God granted his request. So how do, you, how do you justify if you don't think that God wants to bless us with the fact that God granted the request of the prayer of Jabez? Well, you can't. You see, God wants to bless you, uh, and there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with you asking for God to bless you. The problem is, is how do you couch that spiritual term, blessing. What do you think you're asking for when you're asking for blessing? The, the Hebrew word there is makarios, which, which means content, uh, content, sorry, content, fulfilled, satisfied. In other words, when, when you look at what Jabez is praying there, he's praying that, that God would make him content and fulfilled, uh, that, that God would make him satisfied. Uh, it will make sense if I explain it to you this way. Uh, but it, it's kind of a crazy deal, but you'll understand this. Um, you don't need a, a bass boat to be satisfied. It's cool to have. I would like to have one. You would like to have one. You may have one. And that's cool. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that's not going to make you satisfied. And when you're praying for God to bless you, if you're praying for God to bless you with a bass boat, then you've missed the mark of what God wants you to pray for. Now, if you're praying that God would bless your family with health, if you're praying that God would bless your family uh, so that you can be a blessing to others, then you're catching it. You see, what... What we are to pray for when we pray and ask God to bless us is that, God, would you make me a blessing so that I can be a blessing to somebody else? Listen, I see you guys do this all the time. Uh, I, I've seen some of you uh, dance at charities to be a blessing. 
to somebody else. I've seen uh, some of you go to God tell and be a blessing to somebody else. I've seen you go to Glory Gang and be a blessing to somebody else. I've seen you travel all over the world and be a blessing to somebody else. I was at the nursing home Friday and saw some of my friends being a blessing to somebody else, some of our church family being a blessing to somebody else. That's why you ask God to bless you. You ask God to bless you so that you can bless other people, so that you can expand the kingdom, so that you can tell them about what Jesus has done for you. And listen, don't hear me wrong. If you get out on that bass boat and you're having an awesome day with a friend and you're talking about the Lord and he's blessing you with fish, that's cool. I love that. And God can do that. He can make that happen. Uh, listen, there, there's some things in my life that uh, some people would call over the top. But my hope is that with my life and with Laura's life and with my family as I lead my family, that is, we get things that some people might look at that say, well, that's over the top, that we turn around and bless those people with what God has given us. It seems like it's over the top. That's what I want to do. I want to be a blessing. I know that's what you want to do because I see that in your lives, and I'm so thankful for that. So don't, uh, don't miss the point of when you pray that you would ask God to bless you, but always couch it in the terms that God would bless you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Last thing, pray for God's will in your life. You, you guys understand this. You've probably heard people pray this. Not my will, but your will be done. Uh, but that's important uh, for us to get that. If you look at Psalm 138.3, you'll see where uh, uh, David prays, When I called you, answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. But if you look down at verse 8, look at what it says. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. And do not abandon the work of your hands. That's David basically saying, God, would you do your will? Would you keep after it with your will? Would you make your will happen? Uh, I, I want to see your will fulfilled. Matthew 6.10 says this. Uh, this is where the Lord is teaching his disciples how to pray again. And in a, it's in a different gospel. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What? Your will be done. That's what we're praying. We're praying in context always to the obedience of His will. Listen, when you go home and you're eating lunch today and you pray for Halloween, which I hope you will, I hope you pray that lots of people come and that lots of people have a, a wonderful, safe time. Maybe somebody will be interested in, in what our family's all about, what it means to come to this building, what it means uh, to see this church. And maybe uh, the way you can pray this afternoon when you pray at lunch is, Lord, we want Halloween to be a, a wonderful event for our family. We, we want it to be glorifying to you. But Lord, more than anything, we want your will to be done on this Sunday night. That's what you pray. That's how you pray. That's how I pray. And that's how the Lord teaches us to pray. Listen, I want to close sharing this morning. We, we've kind of looked at five different things about how we pray, about how we pray for His mercy, how we pray for His help, uh, how we pray for His strength, how we pray for His blessings, and how we pray for His will. Uh, I saw this uh, late Friday when I was kind of finishing up studying and I thought I, I've got to share this with you especially the way it closes so let, let me set it up a little bit and then let me share it with you so there was a 23 year old girl in Arkansas and this just happened I mean it's it's fresh this was in the USA today so if you want to fact check me you can do it but there was a, a 23 year old woman in Arkansas who lost her dad. You will listen when I read this, and you will find out it wasn't her dad, but it was somebody that she thought of like her dad. It was the, the man in her life who treated her most like her dad. 
And about four years ago, she lost him. He was killed. And she continued to text him. Every day, she would send him sometimes long texts, sometimes short texts, but every day she would text her dad, her dad's phone, and tell her what was going on in her life. Well, I'm, of all people, kind of aware of that now, uh, that they give phone numbers out to new people. You know that, too. You know that if you switched your phone right now and, and got a new number, that your old number would go to somebody sooner or later. Uh, I experienced that a few months ago. I switched phone numbers because of a situation uh, where we were buying new phones and we ended up getting one of the phones free if I switched phone numbers, so I just switched phone numbers to, to get a free phone. And uh, uh, I've been getting texts. I don't think I've told you this, but I, I got a text probably about a month after I had the phone. And it was, uh, and I can't remember the guy's name who owned my phone. I want to say it's Josh, but anyhow, the, the text went something like this. Josh, where are you? And then a curse word. And then it said, I thought you were going to be here already, Aunt Sheila. So I texted Aunt Sheila back. He said, Aunt Sheila, I'm not sure who Josh is, but my name is Bobby, and I'm the pastor of Holly Springs Baptist Church in Nacogdoches. And I, I said, uh, I'm not sure where Josh is, but you might need to watch your mouth. And I said that just and I put a funny face. I wasn't trying to be a, a rear end or anything. I put a funny face. And, all that kind of, and she texted back and said, Oh my gosh, I did not know that Josh had a new phone. And I usually don't talk like that. <laughs> and I just, so anyhow, we had a great conversation and uh, finished. Well, that was like three months ago, two months ago. Well, the other day, I got a text from her again and said, I'm fixing paint. It was last Sunday morning said, I'm fixing pancakes. Do you want some? And I said, I texted back and said, I would love some, but I have to preach this morning. And the church would be mad if I left. And uh, she texted back and said, I am so sorry. I promise I will delete your phone number from my phone. And I said, that's all right. I said, we will pray for you in church this morning. And she said, I need it. And, and so... I tell you that story because I want you to listen to this. A 23-year-old woman in Arkansas lost her father four years ago, but she continued to text his phone every day to update him about her life. She never got a response from that number until this week. Like she did every day, Chastity Patterson of Newport, Arkansas, texted her father's number on Thursday, the night before the fourth anniversary of his death. So she'd been texting every day for four years, but she texted on Thursday, and it was the night before his fourth anniversary. And this is what she said. Hey, Dad, it's me. Tomorrow's going to be a tough day again. It's the fourth anniversary. And in her text, Patterson recapped all the highs and all the lows she'd gone through over the past four years without her father by her side. She talked about how she had beat cancer and has been taking better care of herself like she promised her father she would. She talked about how she finished college and graduated with honors and how she had fallen in love with a man and he had broken her heart. And she wrote to her dad, you would have killed him. Then she texted and said, I'm sorry I wasn't there when you needed me most, but one day we'll get the chance to watch that game together. That's what she wrote in her last text. And this week, she received a response from a man who had been receiving her daily text messages for four years. He texted and he said this, my name is Brad and I lost my daughter in a car wreck in August of 2014 and your messages have kept me alive. When you know, when you text me, I know it's a message from God. 
And he said this, I've listened to you for four years, and I've watched you grow more than anyone. I've wanted to text you back for years, but I didn't want to break your heart. He said he wished his daughter who had passed away would have become the woman that Patterson is. He said, I'm sorry you have to go through all this, but if it makes you feel any better, I'm really, really proud of you. And he says, P.S., I think your father would have been happy to know that you brought another dog instead of having a baby. (laughs) She posted Patterson, posted the exchange to Facebook. She said, today was my sign that everything is okay. And I can let him rest. In a later post, Patterson revealed that the loved one she had lost, Jason Liggins, was really not her biological father, but she called him dad. Jason was not my biological father, but blood could not make him any closer. I called him dad. He never missed a school dance, a prom, my games, and yes, he would even give me long talks about my mouth and my attitude. I had to introduce my boyfriends to him if I was allowed to date, and he would act like a normal dad and give us the long talk. And this is how it closes. I shared my messages for my friends and family to see. Listen to this. I shared my messages for my family and friends to see that there is a God. And it might take four years, but he always shows up right on time. That's the God that you and I worship. He always shows up right on time. Let's pray. God, you are an amazing God, a merciful, graceful God. For that, we give thanks. God, thank you for teaching us how to pray, even to pray for ourselves. And God, we do pray for mercy, and we do pray for strength. We do pray that your will would be done. God, as we enter this time of just confession as we enter this time of response father our prayer is that your will would be done during this time also god we love you and we thank you that you always show up right on time we pray that in jesus name amen